Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Chodesh Tov Mivorach. Mishinichnas Adar. Mabim Vesimcha. So it's wonderful to have all of you here with us today. Today's breakfast and class is dedicated in loving memory of Sophie Shabbat and Isaac Marcus, Lilunish Matem, Simcha Batsara, and Yitzhak Ben Sophia, sponsored uh, by David Shabbat. Breakfast is, uh, in the class is dedicated in loving memory of Sammy Sayed, Lilunish Matshul, Woban Rivka, Allah Vashalom, sponsored by his son Isaac Sayed. Um, breakfast is dedicated in honor of Rabbi Shlomo Farhi, Rabbi Ariel, Mizr- Ariel Mizrahi, Rabbi Meir Friedman, Hazan, Shmuel Levi, Haron Shochet, Robin Beta, Jessica Zag, and the entire staff for all they do for the synagogue and community. Sponsored by the Zara family. Thank you very much. Breakfast on the class is dedicated in honor of Hayim Morris Daba, becoming a bar mitzvah, sponsored by Barbara Hayim and family. The breakfast and class is also dedicated loving memory of Gila's father, Joseph Zuzu Dana, Zuzu Dana, Alava Shalom, Lilun Ishmat, Yosef Ben Simcha, Alava Shalom, sponsored by Gila and Marco Sarur. Dedicated as well in loving memory of Ramonda and David Sofer, Alayam Shalom, Lilunish Matem, David Moshe Ben Naima, Alayam Shalom, and Simhabat Hana, Alayam Shalom, sponsored by their son Edward Sofer. Finally, breakfast in the class is dedicated in loving memory of Rachel Shami, Alayam Shalom, Lilunish Mat Rachel Bat Mazal, sponsored by Moises Shami, Azaku Baruch, to all of the wonderful people uh, that have sponsored uh, today's, today's class. I think everyone wanted to get in on the Mazal of Adar, of the Simcha, of this month. Rabotai, the Pasuk tells us, Midivar Sheker Tirhak. From a, literally, let's translate it. Midivar Sheker, from a thing, or from a word of Sheker, of uh, untruth, Tirhak, you should stay far, far away. The Sepharim point out that of all of the various mitzvot and averot in the Torah, this is the only example where the fence of the mitzvah is included in the actual sivui, in the actual commandment. So let me give you an example of what we mean. In Masechet Avot, the, the Mishnah tells us, it says, Asu Sayag La Torah. What does Asu Sayag La Torah mean? Sayag means a fence. Make a fence around the Torah. What does that mean, make a fence around the Torah? Let's say the Torah commands a person that they should give a certain amount of money. Let's say the person, the Torah commands a person they have to keep Shabbat and not work on Shabbat. Let's say the Torah commands a person that they need to uh, ensure that, they, uh, that there's a certain person they don't wind up uh, coming to marry or have intimacy with. So the Pasuk, the Mishnah tells you, Asu Sayag la Torah, don't just not do the sin, don't just not do the Avon, rather, Create space, a buffer zone, like a DMZ, a demilitarized zone between you and this thing so that you don't even come close. Because we're worried if you do that, you might do that. The, um, the what's it called? The, one of the reasons why a person doesn't wait, uh, ride a horse on Shabbat, we're worried that the guy's going to want to whip the horse. He'll rip a branch off of a tree that he's riding by to hit the, which is something that the riders used to do. That's going to be Isur. So we have you not riding horses for the Gezerah, not ripping off a branch from a tree. Okay? We have you not smelling flowers that are attached to the ground on Shabbat, so you don't pick it up out of the ground and take a sniff uh, in order to smell the flower. So all of these things are part of the Gezerot, the Asu Sayag la Torah. Interestingly enough, when it comes 
to the, uh, the idea of telling a lie, the Torah does not say, Lo Tirzach, Lo Tishaker. It doesn't say that. Don't lie. That's what it should have said. It doesn't say that. It says, Midvar Sheker Tirhak. That means in the mitzvah itself is built in the sayag already. Now, if the Torah decided, of all of the mitzvot in the Torah, to build in the distance into the body of the mitzvah itself. So the mitzvah is make fences for lies. We learned something very powerful. Why is the Torah specifying it um, specifically over here? Rabotai, I read something that is unbelievable. The Rav Zusha from Anapoli, who was the brother of Rav Elimelech of Lezhensk. Many, many, many of the Hasidic stories involved these two brothers who were giants in Midot, in Hasidut, in Tefillah. Unbelievable Sadiqim. Rav Elimelech and his brother, Rav Zusha. Unbelievable. Rabotai, this Rav Elimelech and Rav Zusha, <clears throat> they, uh, uh, they traveled a lot together and they had many stories in their journeys. But Rav Zusha said something unbelievable. He said, our pasuk says, what does it mean? He translated it in an interesting way, dirush. He said, if a person speaks or they are engaged in something which is untruthful, you will find yourself distanced from God. Why? We know that God, His the seal of God is emet. And what do we say about HaKadosh Baruch Hu? That HaKadosh Baruch Hu we say in, uh, on the high holidays, Emet V'Kayam. La'ad. Right? Emet. God is Emet V'Kayam La'ad. Amunai Elokechem. Emet. Now it's interesting. Because the Pasuk after that says, Amunai Elokechem. Emet. Ve? Right? V'Yatsiv. V'Nachon. V'Kayam. Right? How many other things is God besides the emet? Right? A bunch. A whole bunch. A whole list. But what are we defining God with? Not in the continuation. What is the actual, the source? God's nature, so to speak, if we could say such a thing about God, is that He, is, he embodies emet to the point that when someone is mishaker, they find themselves distanced from God. Listen to what Rav Zusha says. He points out, that when the Malachim came to, um, to Sarah and Avraham, they came to Sarah and Avraham to tell them about the baby boy that they were going to have. He came to heal Avraham from the Brit Milah. They came to carry out the mission that God had in mind for Sedom. And the Pasuk says, and this is fascinating, when Sarah hears the news from the angel, she starts to laugh, right? Comes a... Uh, the Malach, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he asked Abraham, and he asked her, Madua Sahika Sarah. Why did Sarah laugh? I said she's going to have a baby. Why is she laughing? What does Sarah say? Lot Sahakti. I did not laugh. Says Rav Zusha, right after that, pay attention, what does it say? Immediately following Lot Sahakti, the Pasuk says, Vayakumu Mishama Anashim. The angels stood up and they left. 
Where did they go? The, angel, the angels left. And normally you read that, you say, okay, they left, they had to go. You know, Rav Zusha says, no. When she said, when she left, and she denied that she left, there was an element there that was untrue. The angels of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they couldn't stand to be in a place where someone had just said something that was untrue. Wow! That means if that's true about HaKadosh Baruch Hu's angels that are, have some physicality to them on some level, that they're not as you know, pure, as holy as HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, and for them as well, they were repelled they were repulsed, they were turned away by something that was a lack, that had a lack on some level. Again, we don't even understand, we can't comprehend, fathom the avot, the imahot, the levels they were on. But for her, it was something that didn't, it wasn't as emet as it could have been. The angels had to run away. They couldn't stand to be there in that moment. Let's go back to the words of Rav Zusha. Midvar sheker tirchak. You'll find HaKadosh Baruch Hu pulling away. And I thought to myself, Michlal lav atashomea hen. You know what that means? From a no, from when the Torah tells you something isn't, and you shouldn't, you also understand what you should, and what it is. If there's rechuk, if there's a distance from God that comes from a, a lack of emet, from a being a baal, sheker, then also we understand that when we feel God is distant, that one of the ways to reestablish connection, to get close, to have Hashem be closer to us, is once again to double down on being an ish, a person, a man uh, of emet. You know, the Gemara says in Sanhedrin that when a person dies, the first question they're going to ask him is, Kavata itim la Torah. Did you set aside time to study? Tosafot asks, it's strange, because there's another Gemara in Kiddushin, where the Gemara says that the first question is not, did you study, but rather, did you, ha'im nasata v'natata be'emunah? Did you deal in your business, did you deal righteously, in good faith? Right? Were you honest in your business dealings? Tosafot asks, I don't understand. The Gemara seems to be contradicting one another. What's the first question they ask you when you get to Shamayim? Not, how did you enjoy your flight? <laughs> What's the first question they ask you when you get to Shamayim? Huh? Were you fair in business? The Gemara says. And the other Gemara says, no, it's that you set aside time for learning. Rabbutai. The Kiddushat Levi, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak from Berdichev, he answers a magnificent answer. He says those two answers are actually one and the same. The default nature of a person, when they're in, a, in an opportunity where they could earn, they could benefit from being untruthful, that desire is very, very strong. Even good people, you see, when it comes to business, unfortunately, it's, it's, very, it's very bad. You know, you meet people, I always say this, they're big ba'alesedaka, they give away tons of money. And then you try and do a business deal with them, and the guy, he, he, hustles, he hustles you out of money. And you know what the funniest thing is? The guy can't help himself. 
even if he's had, engaged in a business deal with someone who's poor, he might still cut a corner, bust a move, and you say to the guy, I don't understand. If the guy came to you now and asked you for tzedakah, you'd give him tzedakah. But now that he's coming to a business deal, why, why are you cutting him in the corner, telling him this, changing the contract without him realizing, oh, let me reprint it. You reprint the contract with something else. You have him sign. He thinks he read the terms and conditions. All different tricks people play. What? And you know what the guy will tell you? Rabbi, tzedakah, tzedakah. Business is business. Yes, You know, I say to a guy like that. I say, tzedakah, tzedakah. Business is business. And Gehinnam is Gehinnam. <laughs> there's, no, there's, no, there's no games here. Right? When a person is guided by Torah, if you set aside time, all the time, all the time, to study, every day, where you start your day, I mean, we did that, we called this podcast, we called it a Torah state of mind. You know what? More important than what I say in a specific class is that you sat in a class. And even if the class you heard today is about telling the truth and not lying, if it comes to a situation where you have to do a chesed with an old lady, even though we didn't learn about chesed to an old lady today, you're in the right frame of mind. You're in a place where you're thinking that the way I live my life is supposed to be the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants me to live my life. Midvar sheker tirchak, you stay far away. One of my favorite stories, I can't even get over this concept, this idea. It just blows my mind because it's so obvious when you hear it. But when, you, but when you hear it the first time, it's just... I always share this story about Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky was one of the great leaders of the last generation in America. And he, he was someone that always had this most magnificent smile on his face. He, he was Morish... Who inherited this beautiful smile? His son, Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky. Many of you will know. You see Rav Shmuel, you look at him, you think, wow, this is what a Sadiq is supposed to be like. His face is radiating joy. He's smiling, right? Like the Mishnah in Avot says or about, being, about smiling to people, you know, about being makdim shalom, l'chol adam, being the first one to say, how you doing? Good morning. Beautiful, right? Uh, my father just told me the other day, he said he was driving, and this guy, as he was driving with the window open, non-Jewish guy jogging down the road, and you know, and they made eye contact on the corner. And before my father could say anything, the guy said, good morning. Anyway, the next day, they're driving. Again, my father's at the stop sign. Again, the guy is half jogging in place. He makes eye contact. He says, good morning. The third day, my father sees him, drives up next to him, makes sure he makes eye contact with him, and before the guy could get the good morning out, my father says, good morning! <laughs> my father said, you know why? He says, I felt bad. This guy is not Jewish. He doesn't have the Mishnah telling him this. I'm a rabbi. He beat me to the punch twice. So my father is stalking the guy in his car, <laughs> driving after him to say good afternoon, good morning, good night. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing, this idea, this dedication to excellence in Midot. And that happens from being kovea itim, making sure you set aside time always to remember, I need to be my best. I need to be my best. I need to be my best. If you keep telling yourself that through kiviat itim la Torah, then when a time comes and you could hustle a guy out of some money, you won't do it. Rabotai, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky was, aside from his big smile, he was someone who was very, very, very strict about telling the truth. 
telling the truth for him was unbelievable. I mean, they say stories about Rav Yaakov that are like beyond belief, okay? About, uh, uh, you know, uh, in different areas where he said something out of his mouth and because he said it, for the rest of his life, that was something that he did. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example, but again, my favorite one, because it's so relevant. First, let me tell you a story about the Panovich and then I'll end with the story about Rav Yaakov. The Panovich one time, his son came to him and he says, Daddy, you have a very strange minhag, and I don't understand why you have this minhag. Please explain it to me. I looked in all the books, the Shulchan Aruch, the Ramah, I looked in the Magen Avraham, in the Taz, in the Bach, I can't find a single book that says to do what you do, what you do, but yet you do it every year. He says, which minhag are you talking about? He goes, I was learning the halachot of Rosh Hashanah. He said, I went through all the halachot. I never found this crazy minhag that you have that no one else has. He says, which minhag? He says, the minhag that on the night of Rosh, of Rosh Hashanah, the first night, you eat by yourself. You don't eat with the family. I thought maybe there's some place, the Zohar, maybe the halakha that says this halakha somewhere. He says, but I looked everywhere and I can't find the halakha. And the Panovich Rav smiled at his son and he says, you're not going to find the halakha. I'm sick of you. No, he said, you're not going to find the halakha. He says, so why do you eat alone on this special day? He said, years and years ago when I was a young student, I was learning in a town and I was in the synagogue and I got invited by someone in the synagogue and I wasn't sure if their house was kosher or not. I didn't know the guy. I don't know what goes on in this kitchen. And he was pressuring me to come, Rosh Hashanah, to eat with him. On the one hand, to eat non-kosher or possibly non-kosher on Rosh Hashanah. On the other hand, to make the guy feel uh, embarrassed, a human being on Rosh Hashanah. He says, so the first thing I could think about in that moment is I said to him, I'm really sorry I can't join you. I have a minhag that on the first night of Rosh Hashanah, I eat alone. The guy says, oh, okay. He didn't know. The guy, I'm Aretz, he didn't know halakha, this, that. He didn't question. He said, oh, okay, you eat alone on the first night of Rosh Hashanah. What are you doing second night? He goes, oh, I have a meal already. <laughs> right? Well, Rosh Hashanah, I eat alone. Since that day, in order that the words that came out of my mouth should not be a lie, for the last 50 years, the first night of Rosh Hashanah, I eat alone. Isn't that unbelievable? Midvar Sheker Tirchak. Now let me share with you the story about Yaakov, and then we'll come back to this. And I want to share as well something that I saw in this Pasuk that is different from these two stories. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky had a very close student. Very close. And the student to him was like his own son. This student, after he got married, he finally had a kid. Rav Yaakov came to his house to see his student. And his son is there already, uh, maybe, uh, you know, 12 months, nine months, however many months old. The kid started to walk. So the Rav Yaakov is so happy, he's playing with the kid. The father wants to give, he sees how much joy Rav Yaakov is getting from his uh, Yani grandson. So he says, he says, Rebbe, he goes, Rebbe, you don't understand. Look, you got to see, he just started walking. He takes turns to the kid. He holds up a lollipop to the kid. And he says, come, come to Abba. Come to Abba. He holds out the lollipop. The kid starts walking. You know when the kids, when they walk, they have that hilarious, that waddle, you know. <laughs> the kid starts waddling his way to his father. Four, five, six, ten steps across the room to the father. 
Rav Yaakov is smiling, he's clapping for the kid, right? So, like, he's so happy that the kid is growing up. Then the father, he sees that the rabbi is enjoying it. He takes a few more steps back. He says, come to Ava. Rav Yaakov's not smiling anymore. His brow is furrowed. The kid, the, 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 the student doesn't know what he did wrong. Quickly gives the lollipop to the kid, picks up the kid, puts the kid on the couch. The kid is busy with the lollipop. He says, Rebbe, did I do something to upset you? Rav Yaakov shaking his head, he says, I don't understand. You held out the lollipop to the child, indicating that if he walked to you, you're going to give it to him. And then he walked to you, and then you moved. It's not Emmet. This story blew my mind. He didn't say, there's no contract. You know, you, the undersigned, must take 10 steps. And me, the under heretofore unknown, as the lollipop purveyor. Right? It doesn't say there's no contract. He didn't say anything. He said, come to Abba, he's only a lollipop. It was intimated. The Torah uses a very clever word. It doesn't say, lo tishaker, because you could say, I didn't lie. It says, midvar sheker, from a thing which is untrue. The boy, the student never said anything. But it was something, it was an untrue thing. You made someone think that this is what they were going to get. That's enough. Could you imagine you hire someone and you imply that they're going to have benefits? You imply. And then after you say, well, where's the show me the contract? You say afterwards, did you, you have a recorded conversation of me promising you a bonus? No, but you implied it. That's enough. Because it's a devar sheker, a untruth thing. That's the difference between uh, the way a sadiq looks at emet and perhaps someone else. I think in today's generation, what used to be a handshake, right? You kept your word. And if you, kept, you said something, you intimated something, you, it was your honor on the line. You know, people back in the day, they would go to work after they lost everything. They would work for years to pay off debts. They barely even brought any money home. Just so that some, they wouldn't owe someone money. It was, uh, it was, it was dishonest. Rabbi listen, because this is a nekudah here. Midivar sheker, from an untrue thing, tirchak, stay away. We learn from Yaakov's story, even if you didn't say anything. What do we learn from the story of the Panavicharov? You see, Rav Yaakov was saying that if you make it a promise, then you have to follow through on the promise. That's in the past. If I promised you something, I'm going to give you $10 if you come to shul. You come to shul, I have to give you $10. How about if I say anyone who comes to shul gets $10? I say it in a room, there's kids there, there's adults there. I have to give that to adults now, technically. Unless it's absolutely understood by everyone that I was not referring, because I said anybody. So that would mean that I would need to keep my words in the past. From the Panovich Rav, we learn that sometimes you say something or you intimate something and you can stop it from being a lie by changing your plans going forward. He said, in order to not insult the guy, I eat by myself alone on the first night. Was that true about his past? It wasn't. He had never done that before. But it was true about his future moving forward. A lot of times we tell, we promise our kids, you know what, you get a good grade on the exam, I'll buy you the car. And then what happens? The kid gets the good grade and what do you say? It's not such a good time. 
Insurance is very expensive. It's not so safe to drive in Manhattan. Everyone who drives a car here is hamar, right? Etc. Etc. Right? It's difficult. You come up with reasons. If you promised, doesn't matter. There's no uh, clause in truth that says you're allowed to lie to your kids. You're allowed to lie to your wife. Rabutai, this is something on a personal level I try and work on. What does every husband say to their oh, I'll be home in two minutes? What a, what a waste of a lie. What a wa- but what a waste of a lie. You know it's not two minutes. She knows it's not two minutes. Why would you bother saying that? Is like, that is, you know, if you get the get out of jail free card, right? You know, this is a get into jail free card. Like you gain nothing, nobody is fooled, and all you did was teach yourself to say words that are not true out of your mouth. Be clear about your words. But you know what though, I always say this. You know what, I always say this. I, I, I say this to, to husbands. Don't tell your wife you'll be home in five minutes, and she shouldn't tell you she'll be ready in five minutes. Baruch Adonai Amen, amen. Rabbi Chanayah Ben Akasha Omer.